Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program. The no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Grant Porteous with Grant Porteous Coaching. Welcome, Grant. Hey, Lee. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about your practice. How are you serving folks? We are serving uh, people in a one-to-one program model. Um, We have a couple of different program links with which we work with people on, I guess, two main components, really. We help them develop a powerful mindset so that they can take whatever part of their life and or business to the next level. And then um, we have, a, again, a six-month and a one-year program time frame in which we do that. So now what's your backstory? How did you get into coaching? Well, you know, I've got kind of a checkered past. I spent about 20 or so years in the private sector, and, uh, and I pivoted. And back in 1994, I wound up moving into the public and nonprofit sectors. And then from there, I wound up looking for a way to, to really help the clients that we were serving make the change and really transform things more effectively, more efficiently, more quickly, and more permanently. And so that set us on a journey that lasted some 15, 20 years. And we finally landed on two key uh, methodologies that we're really excited to share with people because we've seen them make tremendous changes, not only in our lives and businesses, but um, in a lot of other people that we've been privileged to work alongside um, over the past several years. So can we talk a little bit about those methodologies, maybe just a top-level view? Sure. Again, the, um, the first one that I mentioned is um, the mindset piece. That's a, you know, when people hear mindset, it's become kind of a buzzword. Sometimes they think a variety of different things. And so when I say mindset, I don't mean attitude or whatever. What I'm talking about when I think about mindset is those beliefs, uh, those things that shape the way that I approach first myself, and then the world around me, whether that's my customers, my spouse, my kids, my social network, whatever it might be, um, that's what I think of as mindset. And we all have, because of the way the brain works, a certain way of viewing things. Um, and unlike science used to tell us that you know once you get to be about a certain age, it's set in stone and all downhill from there, what we know now is that the brain is incredibly elastic pretty much all the way through end of life, barring some sort of... A, you know, thing like Alzheimer's or whatever. The other piece that we work with folks on is casting a really powerful vision for their future. Um, What we find is that a lot of organizations have mission statements or a lot of entrepreneurs have great ideas about what they want to do. The challenge is without an organizing vision, you can wind up going in a million different directions. You know, um, the disciplines of execution refer to that as the whirlwind. Entrepreneurs wind up on what a mentor of mine calls the entrepreneur's carousel. And the next thing you know, you're just caught up in doing all the things. And unfortunately for some folks, they never really get beyond that stage. So casting a vision and helping people walk into it is the other main methodology that we that we work with our clients on. So to, to me, it sounds like some of the mindset may be dealing with present, past, and the vision obviously is future. 
Correct. And, um, you know, it's the way your brain's set up, Lee, is it doesn't like the unknown. And so and as soon as you start to go, you know what, I really want, want to turn this side hustle into a, a real gig, or I want to take our business from okay and good enough to amazing. The brain immediately goes, we've never done that. We don't know how. So it'll probably be bad. And we'll all wind up living under a bridge. And then from there, it'll shut down and we'll go get another cup of coffee or we'll get distracted doing busy work or chasing our tails in some other fashion. And that thing that we really want and that the world really needs oftentimes doesn't happen. So now in your work, uh, you mentioned one-on-one. Is it something that it's just over um, by asking the right questions or um, recommending a series of activities? It helps the person kind of get out of their own way in some ways? Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad way to, that's not a bad way to think about it. Um, you know, we all have a tendency to do what we've always done because we then know what to do. We frankly like to be in control, most of us. So instead, what we do in the first me- part of the methodology is walk people through some kind of core content. For example, we teach people to recognize how the brain works so that they can begin to recognize that when they have what we would refer to as a limiting belief, they can stop deal with it, and then move on to the next thing. And the thing is, and I found this uh, personally and professionally, if you don't deal with the limiting beliefs as they occur, you wind up coming back to them. And that's where, as you put it, we wind up getting in our own way. Oftentimes don't even know we're doing it. Now, are these limiting beliefs things that I'm even aware of, or these things that I could be sabotaging myself kind of um, unconsciously? Oh, very much so at the non-conscious level. For example, science will tell us, depending on whose research you look at, you have between 60 and 100,000 thoughts a day, 90% of which are non-conscious. And on a good day, about 90% of all of our thoughts are, tend to be negative. Right? So it, it stands to reason that we would all wrestle with limiting beliefs. Um, they're just things that are operating right below the radar or in the background. And then what they wind up doing is kicking forward a conscious thought or a conscious feeling or an idea. And then that's where we start to go, oh, well, you know, that'll never work out. Or I don't know, maybe that's not for me or I don't have what it takes or I'm not smart enough or whatever it might be. And those are based on beliefs that we may have gotten when we were three, five, ten. Um, Certainly some of them can form up from when we're older, but usually by the time we're quote unquote adults, we're operating out of a set of beliefs that have been running in the background for a long, long time. Now, when you're working with your clients and you uh, talk about these kind of um, limiting beliefs and uh, you're bringing them to their attention, is it something that they recognize of like, yeah, I guess I do do that? Or is it something that maybe at first they're in denial about, and then maybe when you reframe it, then they see that how it's been permeating their lives? Yeah, that's a really good question, because it's not uncommon for some of our, um, I guess, most um, ardent clients to at first go, you know, I just don't think I've got any limiting beliefs. I don't know, you know, I, life's pretty good. And, you know, I had a good family, so I don't really think I've got any limiting beliefs. And like, well, do you ever feel on a regular basis when the same thing happens, stressed or bored or overwhelmed or like I don't have enough time or not good enough or whatever? No, sure, sometimes. Then that's a limiting belief. So some people go right away, oh, gosh, 
I, I bet I've got dozens. And then a lot of people, and especially successful people, because they've been successful, assume that they really can't have that many. But our experience would say everybody has their little breeze. Now, are your clients, do they tend to be kind of corporate executives that want to get, you know, promoted and get to the next level? Do they tend to be entrepreneurs who have started something from nothing? Um, do you have kind of a, um, a ideal or typical client? We, we do. We, um, what we say is we work with high-performing, successful men and women who have gotten to the point where they, you know, they're just done kind of going through the motions and that might be they're done going through the motions in a career that's no longer satisfying, or they're done just getting up every day and, you know, going to work and doing the same stuff, going home, rinse and repeat. We tend to work with, so far, a lot of business owners. Um, I think, you know, the largest client we've probably worked with is about a 400-employee business, and we work with a team of three of their owners. Uh, we've also worked with some smaller companies who are up-and-comers, and we work with either their their owners and or a general manager, let's say, and then companies that are thinking about going to um, to expand or grow or even franchise. And then finally, and every now and then we'll see somebody who's got this amazing idea and they're ready to just turn it into a business. But the key, the key identifier, whether it's an established business or a starting business, is these are people who are passionate about doing what it is that they're doing they feel like they're you know, kind of on a mission and they want to do it more and better. Now, um, you use the word mission, and I'm sure that wasn't by accident. Um, in your career, you've kind of gone through different transitions where uh, your career was going in one direction. And at some point you decided, hey, I have to pivot or I have to reevaluate or I have to prioritize something else. And then you went into this other uh, direction. Is that, uh, is mission and, and transition, are those, and legacy, are, are all those things kind of bubbling up in your clients' kind of life? Yeah, most of the clients that we wind up working with, and you know, it's like a lot of things, we wind up um, serving the people best that we can relate to the most. And so for a, lot of, for a lot of people, I was talking with a young man yesterday, he's 32, he's got a great job as an engineer. And what he said is it's the best, it's the best dead end job I've ever had. Because if he didn't do anything and take any action and just kept doing through what he was doing, he could be very comfortable. But he, he has this sense that, but there's more, I know there's more. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of our clients would say, um, like one of our corporate clients said, you know, we evaluated selling the business and then we went, what would we do? And, and we also know that there's more that we can do with this business. And what about our employees? And what about this community that we've been a part of for 30 years? So whether it's at that individual level in a company or whether or not it's an organization that just knows that there's more that they could be doing, it's, it is mission. There's some passion in there. Um, and there probably is something about legacy that's important to most of our clients. Now, do you find that um, generationally that this desire to uh, do more is kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's new, but it's, it's become more important to younger people that maybe people that were older were more okay with, look, this is a good steady job. The income's there. I'll be able to take care of my family. And look, that's 
the part of the deal is I hate my job and I just show up and I do what I do. And then at the end, um, you know, that's the trade-off that I'm willing to make. But it sounds like younger people today are less willing to make that trade-off. There, they are, fortunately. And there's a lot of interesting research that would suggest, for example, uh, boomers and older millennials, now they're being called, value things like uh, wellness. Whereas younger millennials, Gen Xers, um, and a few of us in the boomer generation, I guess, value well-being, which would suggest more um, balance. Now, balance is a tricky word because that's a moving target. It's not a static thing that once achieved is you hold on to it, right? But it's that kind of life where there's more than just going to work, hustling and grinding, coming home exhausted and getting up every day and doing it again. And it's more than just a paycheck. Like this, uh, this business that I was referring to, we, they're not interested in retiring on a, on a pile of money or on a bigger pile of money, you know, when they finally retire, they're likely to sell their business for a pretty good penny, but that's not the main thing. Um, for them, the main thing is contribution, the way that they serve their customers and the way that they treat their people, the culture they've created. And they, they know they can do even more with all of that. Um, and they're certainly squarely in the boomer generation. So yeah, some people in the younger generations are like, you know, Forget about showing me the beef and, you know, giving me a raise. I need time off. And interestingly, a lot of folks aren't even, they don't care about a gym at work or whatever. They want to know that they're valued and that what they're doing means something. And I think that's a, that's a blessing that we can pick up from that generation if we're willing to receive it. Now, because your background is so diverse and varied, um, are you able to help your business owner clients in some areas of consulting because you have such a strong business background as well? Or is, or is the scope of your work primarily, look, I'm here to help you from a coaching standpoint and coaching and consulting is they're not, the, those aren't synonyms. No, they're not. And that's a great distinction. I don't see those as the same thing. And while we say that we're squarely in the coaching space, um, and don't hold ourselves out as consultants that would be able to do financial analyses and all the things that make my eyes cross. At the same time, being creative with our clients and helping them think outside the box and begin to consider other ways of approaching things that they've done the same way over time um, is definitely something that we're able to do. And I think some of that is because I read a lot. Some of it is because I've been in both the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. Um, and it's a, it's, business is really more of a creative endeavor. Now it's got to make money, but you're trying to figure out how to meet a need. And there's generally more than one way to meet that need. And I don't know if you're familiar with a work called Red Ocean, Blue Ocean, but we try to get our clients fishing in a blue ocean to get out of the red ocean that's just, you know, chummy and bloody water and really figure out what their unique value proposition is um, while they're taking their company or their lives to a whole new level. Well, let's give some, uh, maybe some advice to some folks out there. Do you have any um, kind of basics or some low-hanging fruit a person can be thinking about when it comes to mindset, when it comes to maybe creating or casting a clear vision for who they would like to become? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we teach our clients right out of the box where mindset is concerned is 
if you recognize a circumstance that's, that comes up on a regular basis, um, let's say it's coming towards the end of the month and you don't like the way your sales figures look and you might start to hear that voice going, I don't know, am I really cut out for this? You know, everybody else seems to be at the leaderboard and, and here I am, you know, once again, bringing up the rear. Maybe I'm just not any good at this. That would be an opportunity to look at the belief about yourself and go, wait, 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 what's that telling you? Well, it might be telling you that you think that there's something wrong with you. Um, or maybe that you're doing it wrong as opposed to maybe you're sabotaging yourself. Maybe you've got all the right tools, but because you believe something that isn't true, you could begin to look at that in a different light and start to consider, well, what else might be possible? What might I be telling myself that produces the same outcome? Because while we don't like to hear it, we're responsible for the outcomes we produce in our lives. Certainly there are outside circumstances that occur. But um, for example, there's a reason that I didn't start my coaching practice until I did. There's a reason that I worked in the private sector until I did and then switched gears and went into something else. And, and basically those were all about things that I was believing up until that point that I made a different decision. So all of that to say related to mindset, you have the ability to make an incredibly powerful decision. And once you commit to a new decision, everything begins to line up and change towards the decision that you've made. So if you were to say, okay, uh, in three months, I'm going to be consistently at or near the top of the leaderboard and really deal with whatever limiting beliefs have been impeding your progress, then what we would expect to see is you'll start to find things that you had never before seen or opportunities to do a training or somebody will talk to you and speak into your life about something that they found that really helped them up level their game. And the next thing you know, all the things that you seem to be missing or not even seeing before are suddenly appearing right before your very eyes. And boom, there you are near the, leader, near the top of the leaderboard or at the top. You know, that would be an example in the, in the mindset side of the equation. And on the vision side of the equation, which is even for me more exciting, rather than goals and objectives, which are really common and really popular and get a lot of focus, what those can do is send an organization off into a variety of different directions as fixed operations or variable operations or accounting has one set of goals and objectives. And then, you know, production has another set. And, and instead, when everyone shares an overarching vision, that vision begins to organize all those goals and objectives and points them all in the same direction. And it also allows for adjustments along the way that sometimes goals and objectives become etched in stone and don't permit. So then people get locked into something that actually not only makes them feel like they're not there yet and never are, but then they're locked into something that after they get going for a while, even if everybody sees it's not gonna actually work out the way the goals and objectives had anticipated, We'll still be committed to those because that's what we said we were going to do. And a vision won't do that to you when it's, when it's cast right. So I, I hope I answered that question a bit. Yeah, I, that was great. And um, I'm with you when it comes to goals. Um, I'm not a, a, as big of a fan of goals as I am on systems and processes that are maybe the elements of achieving the goal and if you do that kind of work every day a little bit every day you're going to get a compounding effect and you're going to achieve those goals but I think a lot of people pick a number 
and then that becomes uh, by any means necessary, and they do things that uh, sabotage or that kind of get in the way from them really getting what they really, really want. Absolutely, and I think um, I think John Maxwell, as an example, would agree with you. He's not nearly as big a goal guy as some other um, some other well-known names in the space. Now, um, in your business, are the people coming to you people who have already had experience in coaching, or are they new to coaching? Um, how do they get um, introduced to you typically? You know, right now it's been word of mouth. Um, people who have either worked with us before or known us before, and some are known me before in another capacity, um, call up and say, hey, you know, I was, I was thinking, I need to call Grant and talk to him about this. Uh, that's what happened with our first client. Um, another, our, our largest client, um, who's one of the owners is a friend of mine, uh, reached out last year and said, hey, let's have dinner. I've got a business proposition for you. They were really looking at doing something more with their company and um, and knew of the work that we'd been doing. I'd been keeping him posted about the coaching work and the methodologies I was using. And he was excited about it and felt like it was a good fit for his company. So right now it's been mostly word of mouth and people reaching out going, hey, um, I think you might be the guy. And then what we want to make sure when we talk to people is that it is a good fit. We, we're, we could serve uh, a lot of folks, but we have a pretty narrow definition of what we really think we can help people with. Um, and that's why we're doing this the way that we're doing it. And then um, when you start working with people, um, I would imagine that uh, the results come, this isn't something that takes, you know, a year to see a result that um, you're, you're affecting change pretty rapidly, I would imagine. Yeah. In fact, by the end of the year, we would expect people to um, kind of be looking back and going, holy cow. Um, we talked to, uh, we were reaching out to get a testimonial from somebody that we really enjoyed working with. And he said, you know, the, the coaching was great. But when I look back now, over the past year, I go, holy cow, how did that happen? And he said, you know, it was, it was coaching with you guys. And that feels amazing. But you're right. We don't, we don't want years and years of engagement. We, you know, we want to get in, serve a client with what they need. And then if they want to re-enroll because we can still serve them, awesome. But we would see this as a, as a defined proposition of there's a beginning, middle, and end depending on what our client wants. Now, are you finding more people um, open to the idea of coaching? Like at one point, coaching was only for the, you know, the highest level in the company or it's just for the elite athlete. But now do you find more and more people opening up and saying, look, I need a coach. This is, look, I, uh, we have to offer this to more people, not less people. It, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it was at one point a part of the elite, you know, the, um, Basically, what I heard is coaching was birthed out of those people that were earning the high six and, you know, into seven figures and were every 10 or 15 minutes in their week counted. And so it's since spread out through a lot of organizations and the higher performing organizations are looking at creating coaching cultures where that's just the standard model of interaction between managers and directors and top level leaders and, um, and all staff. Now, if there's an organization out there, um, you describe kind of who your ideal client is. Is that industry agnostic? Does it matter? Like you mentioned, you worked in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. 
can they come from anywhere? Like, because the methodology is the methodology. I wouldn't think it matters. Like, oh, they're in manufacturing. It doesn't work for, you know, manufacturing. No, I mean, you know, what, what I would say is if, if people are thinking about things, they're going to have beliefs, some of which will be limiting. And if they're producing a product or a service, they'll have a sense probably our ideal clients would have a sense that there's a broader audience that they want to reach, a more specific audience that they want to reach or a better, more effective way of doing what they're doing. And so um, we haven't yet been constrained by an industry. And if somebody wants to learn more and get on your calendar, is there a website for them to go to? Yeah, what they what we've recommended right now because we're quote unquote in between websites. <laughs> we have a we have an old landing page that's a little clunky, and we're in the process of putting something new up. But someone can um, reach out to us at uh, Donna at GrantPorteus.com via email and or call 231-631-1557 and schedule a call. Do most dependable and easiest, straightforward ways. And if they wanted to connect with you on LinkedIn, just Grant Porteous? Yeah, same thing with, uh, you know, Grant Porteous Coaching is on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's Grant Porteous. And that's P-O-R-T-E-O-U-S. Correct. Well, Grant, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Lee, thanks for the chance to share the story. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.